ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Coming up, Lav and I talk Tiger and whether the fifth time is a charm and what's next for the game's most popular 50-something, Phil Mickelson. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. Congratulations to Callaway staffer Kevin Na, who won the Sony Open in Hawaii last week. Na closed with a final round 65 and birdied the final hole to capture his fifth career PGA Tour title. He used Callaway Woods, irons, and wedges en route to playing the final 38 holes and 16 under par. He also used his Toulon by Odyssey milled putter to one putt, 36 of his 72 holes. Breaking news here, Kevin Na's really good at putting. Learn more about the newest clubs Callaway released last week, including the epic family of woods at CallawayGolf.com. Welcome, Lav. I am on location at the American Express in Palm Springs. Finally. Finally on location. There, there's a flood warning here, Lav. It's raining right now as we speak. What's the, What are the odds? That's shocking because, I mean, I've, I've covered this tournament a handful of times. You've covered this a handful of times. It is always 70 to 75 degrees, perfectly clear skies. The mountains are glistening in the backdrop. It's, it's clear. It's crisp. There's very little wind. It's like playing in a dome. And, of course, you get the one year in which it's going to absolutely pour. I've been here before. I mean, I've seen it when it was beautiful. And certainly, you know, you, that, that's what you want. But, yeah, you said it. Golf in a dome. We do not have that this week. But someone who isn't even here this week that's going to lead the podcast for obvious reasons, Tiger Woods, through his foundation, announced on Tuesday that he will – he just underwent his fifth back procedure. It was a microdisectomy. I'm not going to get into the gory details because the release kind of grossed me out a little bit when I got into the details. Nerve uh, fragment, Rex. Nerve fragment. Pressurized disc fragment is uh, the part that kind of got me as I'm thinking to myself, uh, it's true. We finally know for sure that Tiger Woods is actually a robot, that he has a pressurized disc fragment issue in his back. Uh, it said, uh, went on to explain that he will not play next week at Torrey Pines or in a few weeks in Riviera, which means next week at Torrey Pines for me will not be as exciting and Riviera will not be as exciting for you. Right off the top, what was your immediate reaction? Well, Look, it's his fifth back surgery, which I think is is a really big deal. And, and Graham Dillette, who they want to call it a procedure, I don't yeah, understand. So, that's so, what they want. So that's 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 what I like because so Graham Graham Dillette, who's had two of these, and his career has been derailed by a back issue, which was like in the same L range that Tiger's is. Said he actually tweeted this: "Calling this a procedure is laughable. <laughs> I've had two of them. They are far from quote procedures." And look, I've been fortunate enough to not have to have any sort of surgery on my body, but anytime a knife is involved, even if it is 
even if you're going home that next day, and apparently Roy McIlroy said that Tiger was back on his feet the very next day, uh, it's still a surgery. And for someone like Tiger Woods, who's 45 years old and now has had 10 surgeries on his body, uh, it's a big deal. I don't think it was totally surprising because we saw at various points last year that Tiger was either stiff or unable to really move properly. Um, you saw him at the PNC Championship, which is where apparently this is this kind of came to a head and, and was aggravated. Um, I, I, I was beginning to think that something was up just because we hadn't heard any sort of commitment news regarding next week's event. Having covered the father-son event just a couple of weeks ago, you know, seeing Tiger up close and personal, you heard him in some of the, the post-round interviews. What was your sense, and or or did you get a sense that something like this could be could be coming down the pike? I think we always think something like this is going to be coming down the pike. Do we not? I mean, this this is it's just news broke yesterday. I was in the media center at the American Express, and a, and a journalist turned around and, and was generally surprised. Like he's wow, can you believe this? And and I did my best Stephen A. and kind of yelled loud enough for everyone to hear. Tiger Woods is what we thought he was, brittle, and he can be brilliant sometimes. Let's be honest. Like it, what we've seen over him over the last two years is beyond impressive, considering. Now, he now has five back procedures, 10 procedures, whatever that means, over the course of his career. That, that's amazing. He is the walking wounded. I mean, he's an episode of ER incarnate. I just think that when you look at everything that he's been through, yeah, I mean, I can't say that I was surprised. Certainly at the PNC, he wasn't right. That was perfectly clear. I mean, the fact that he wasn't even hitting drives on some holes because he knew he wasn't going to be able to outside, uh, outdrive his son, Charlie. So the one, there, there are a couple of things that stood or out. Or he was... Or he was preserving himself because he, he knew he only had a limited number of reps in that body. Sure. And I think, I mean, going forward, I think his entire career is going to be a, the definition of a pitch count. I just don't think we're going to see the stamina that we have seen in the past, whatever that means, over the last few years. I remember ask, asking Nota Begay a few two years ago, is, is Tiger closer to a 15 or 16 event year guy or is he closer to 11, 12 event year guy? And he was very, very quickly – he very, very quickly said, oh, yeah, 11 and 12. I think we've gotten to the point now where realistically, seven, eight, nine events, I think he would be perfectly happy playing that. A very limited schedule, focusing on the events that matter. Of course, those are the major championships. And just making sure that that body holds up as best as it can at 45 years old. There were a couple things that stood out to me. And, and, and as we always do, we, we dissect these things. He, he didn't give a date in the release. He said the procedure had been done recently, according to Rory McIlroy, who spoke uh, on Wednesday in Abu Dhabi, he he was told that it was on the 23rd of December, which makes sense. Notably, they did say he was hitting balls and he seems to be on his way to a comeback. The other one now turns to the game that we always play. It should be a very, very popular drinking game. When's he going to play next? And I mean, we can sit here and go through it. The WGC, which is now being played in Florida over in Bradenton, uh, Bay Hill seems to be on the radar. But I think there's a possibility that we might only see him in one event, the Players' Championship before Augusta. And that, to me, is surprising. Yeah, Bay, Bay Hill Tigers skipped the last two years. Um, so I think that makes skipping a third year in a row a little bit easier uh, and tougher and, and easier to stomach. That would be March 4th through 7th uh, on the schedule if you're keeping track at home. So about a month and a half away. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. He would, he would play the Players' Championship, assuming he is healthy. Um, I I think deep down, he probably knows he has a limited number of swings left in that body. Does he really want to waste them? And I mean that with all due respect. Does he really want to waste them 
at a Bay Hill or a PJ National or concession for the WGC event or in a match play event. I, I think he would he would only want to come back at some of these legacy defining tournaments, which would be a players championship. Of course, he would he wants to be uh, at the Masters, having won there in, in 2019. I think long term, when you look at his 2021 schedule, we were already, as you mentioned, going down a road where he's probably only going to play realistically about 10 times. And now this year, you're probably looking at somewhere between that seven to 10 range, assuming that this is that he suffers no further setbacks with this, assuming um, that that he can, you know, still move freely. Uh, you know, Rory said that he expects Tiger to be back by the Masters, if not before. And so I think the one event, if you're going to circle it before the Masters, would be the Players Championship. Uh, March through through 11. So he's got he's got two months to get his body and his mind ready for that tournament, assuming that he wants to get ready and play one tournament before the Masters. So you're going official Tiger Woods bingo. The Players Championship would be his next start and his last start before the Masters. Is that, that what I can mark you down for? Look, if he's if he's healthy, he's going to play. He's not going to miss the PGA Tours flagship event. Um, and that would give him time to to assess where his game is. There's let's see, one, two, there's three weeks after that before the master so that would give his body a, a chance to heal give him a, a chance to see exactly where his game is and then make all the preparations he needs uh for augusta which to me along with the open championship are still the major championships that he has the best chance to win at this advanced age and this is always the fun game that we end up playing is trying to figure out okay how how intense is this one versus some of those others in the past you go back to 2017 now in that surgery actually kept him out for the entire year that was in april of 2017. Now that was spinal fusion surgery, which, and again, I'm not a doctor. I don't want to play one on a podcast, but from what I've been told, that's much more serious, much more involved than what he went through with the micro dissectomy. And you can go back to the, to his last micro dissectomy and that kept him out about six weeks. So I think six, six weeks, two months, that's probably the window that we're looking at. So I think there is a possibility that he comes back. I, I don't think it would be Honda. If I had to pick one, I, I would say Bay Hill, but you're right. I think the players championship is the obvious choice but as we look forward though i mean the interesting I and mean, we've talked about a pitch count and th there is always this balance that he talks about he needs the reps to make sure that his game is where he wants it to be at the biggest events but then if you want to be on a pitch count you're not going to get those reps so you have to start questioning then how effective is he really going to be yeah he wasn't he wasn't effective at all last year right like in 2020 that's other than the, the really dark years of 2014 to 2017, 2020 was the least we've ever written and talked about Tiger Woods just because he was a virtual non-factor. I mean, every time he showed up, he was finishing outside the top 35 if he wasn't missing the cut. And so he hasn't quite found the balance of taking time away to recuperate and get his game and his body right with, with showing up and being competitively sharp and, and taking on the best players in the world. He hasn't quite found that balance. Of course, in 2018, he played a lot and he played well. That took a toll for 2019. And really the only highlight of, of that year, that calendar year, was the Masters, of course. And then he had another surgery, won the Zozo, took some more time off, and then was brilliant at Royal Melbourne, which may have then cost him at the beginning of 2020 and of course the pandemic shut everything down and so he's he's still trying to figure that out for himself i i wonder rex we we mentioned it five back surgeries now four microdiscectomies and one fusion surgery which was a, a whole different deal uh, and, and and far more serious that was a quality of life thing and not necessarily to get him back and playing and competing again on the pga tour it's just to get him moving 
just to get him moving again, how many more can he withstand? I mean, is is six the number where he's like, okay, this is finally enough? Is is it seven? Is <laughs> is it eight? Like how, like how many how many more times do we have to go through this? Wait, and and it, I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch the uh, HBO documentary on on Tiger. Uh, I'm a, I'm guessing you don't because you're you're cheap and you don't want to you pay for the premium channel, um, but it it ends spoiler alert with with Tiger winning winning the Masters and that's kind of like this this final moment of triumph, and I'm I'm left wondering now, what else can he accomplish that's going to feel like a satisfactory end? You know, it's not like you know a, an NFL player or major or major league baseball player who who has a great season and they just, they just retire. That's that, that doesn't happen in golf. You, you don't, you don't really retire. You just kind of fade away or you go to the PGA tour champions and no one, no one really ever hears from you again. Tiger just can't win a tournament and go away because that's going to fuel him to say, Oh, if I, if I could win this tournament, then I can win bigger tournaments and I can continue to win tournaments over the course of the year. So at what point does it become, he's either not competitive for, three, six, nine, 12 months, or he has a six back operation. Like what's, what's the end game here? What does it, what does it look like? Because it, it sure feels like we're getting close to the end. I don't think when you look at Tiger Woods, and this is just relevant right now in the context that Philip Rivers just announced his retirement. And I was listening to some talking heads on TV talk about that he had nothing else to prove. At least that was their opinion on it, that he's not a compiler. He's not going to chase records, that he has no interest in that, that he wants to go and coach his kid's high school football team, which is very, very cool. And so if you move that over and put that in the context of Tiger Woods, so close to Byron Nelson's record, and I think that is on his radar, that would be- Sam one, Sneed? I'm sorry, Sam Sneed. Yeah, very, very, very good. Uh, that's a fine for me. Uh, so that would be uh, one more victory to, to get him there. And I just think when you look- uh, where he is but that's his- like that's like never even been a goal like so that was one of the I think it has. that was brought up no no, no I disagree that, that was, that was, that was, that was one of the things that was, that was brought up in the documentary there was an interview with Tiger and, and ESP and Scott Van Pelt and Scott Van Pelt asked him Tiger would you rather have 19 major wins or 100 PJ Tour wins and without even pausing he said 19 wins he says okay Tiger would you rather have 17 major wins one short of Jack's record or would you rather have 100 PJ Tour wins? And Tiger's answer, without hesitation, was 19. The only reason the only reason that 83 has come into his mind now is because it's it's the only achievable milestone. Yes, he's he's not he's not going to get 19. The only reason we're even focusing on this is because it's 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 glaringly obvious he's either not going to get to 100 or he's not going to get to 19. And so this is the next thing that he can check off. But, no, I think you don't put 19. I, I think you don't put 83 on the bedroom wall in Cypress, California, because that's not entirely realistic. 19 is a number, uh, even as a teenager, you can put on the wall and you can wrap your mind around. And yeah, I can do it. And at least in his mind, in, in that great mind of his. I don't think that you would do that with Sneed's record simply because it probably didn't even come onto his radar until he gets, what, 50, 60, 70 victories on the PGA I Tour? Think and I think he, he, he believes deep down he's going to so far blow past that that he doesn't even register uh no no i think it was a time right about the time that he realized that he's probably not going to get to 19 that that samson's mark fell out of his radar and and i would argue that it only came back into his radar when he wins the tour championship and then suddenly you start thinking wow you know i'm only three away i've got some some years in me maybe if i'm healthy again maybe if i can put all these things together 
that's why I think it, it became relevant over the course. However, that all being said, by comparison, I don't think he is a compiler in this sense. Like, I don't think that's what keeps him around. I think what keeps him around, and, and we've heard this in, in, in recent years, really, about how being in that team atmosphere and being re-energized by the Justin Thomases and the Ricky Fowlers and, and the rest of them, that's what re-energized him. He wanted to get back out to compete with them because that's what he loved and that's what he missed the most. We always said it was Jack's record, maybe to a lesser extent Sneed's record, but now all of a sudden as he got later in years and realized what he was about to give up, this looks pretty good on the other side. I'm enjoying myself. And that you and I have both seen it over the course of his career. So no, it's not gonna be a number of seven microdisectomies is one microdisectomy too much, or maybe if I get this Sneed's record, that's the time to walk away. I think he's finally gonna walk away. Two things, one, quality of life. If he finally just has too much pain, which I think he's been very, very close to in the past. And two, if he just thinks that it's time for me to take on a new chapter, whether if that's as an ambassador, whether that's as a perennial captain of American teams, whatever the case may be, those are the only two things I think are going to drive him out of the game. But how do you, how do you reach that point? That's, that's what I'm grappling with. Like, like, does he just one day wake up and say, I'm not having fun anymore. I'm not, you know, I'm not nervous to compete. I'm not excited to compete. You know, is it, is it, you go a I don't year think and a half without a top 10. I mean, is there, is there a tangible evidence that, that he's done? I, I don't think that happens. I don't think that epiphany moment when he wakes up and just say, I, I'm not having fun. The only way that's going to happen is if he, he considers himself not relevant competitively anymore, which so that goes to, if he goes a year and a half without a top 10, then yeah, then I think he starts looking in the mirror. And again, this is all predicated on his health. I mean, we have seen how he can convince himself on both sides of this. As long as he's healthy and we've seen it, he's proven it, he can go out and still compete. However, it seems like those days are much more fewer and far between than they were before. When he first threw the line out, I have good days and bad days, today was a bad day. It seems like it was half and half. You know, half the time he'd wake up and his body wasn't right. And then half the time he would and he could get it moving and somehow the tin man would put all the oil on the machine that he needed to make it work. However, I think it's starting to get to the point where you have far fewer good days and there's so many more bad days. And then at that point, you do have to look yourself in the mirror. Yeah, I think that's what was most shocking to me about 2020 because we saw what Tiger's good days look like, right? Like we saw it, he had four good days of the Masters. Uh, he had three and a half good days at the Zozo. He had three good days at the President's Cup. Of course, he was too stiff on day three, uh, too stiff to even play, but he was still undefeated that week. And, and so, look, when you, when you look at 2020, the second tournament that he played at Riviera, he's, he's already complaining of, of back stiffness. And, and you and I both talked about it on this podcast. If you give Tiger three or four months off to, to heal and to, to get his game in order, we, we both thought post-pandemic break that he was going to come back uh, – he would be one of the players who would really benefit from that time. And it just didn't appear to be the case. Now that could be, you know, the energy of the crowd was lacking. It may have been this fragmented disc uh, that was causing him trouble, not just at the PNC, but was causing him all summer long. We, we don't know. We don't have those answers. We're probably not going to have those answers uh, for two months or three months until Tiger comes back. Um, but there was, there was no signs I thought in 2020 that the Tiger was even approaching competitive relevance there, there just there just wasn't well i think when he came back for the pnc 
and after playing as poorly as he did at the Masters, and it was clear he was he was he was okay for two days. Uh, but then, but not, I think his body portrayed him. But I think in in all of our minds, certainly in my mind, I think coming at the PNC, he's had some time off. He's been able to regroup. His game could be his game, his body should be sharp. Both of those things were not evident. And I think that's when you start to think to yourself that, like, there's not enough time for him to piece together and, and use the duct tape and the glue and everything together to be competitive again. Because again, without the health, that's always the asterisk. If he, if I'm healthy, X, Y, Z is going to happen. And he's proven that X, Y, Z will happen unless he's not healthy. And I think he, this is the perfect end. Clearly has not been healthy for a long time. All right. So the tiger, uh, not playing next week where you will be at Torrey Pines, probably not going to play uh, for the foreseeable future, probably at least two months. Uh, one guy who is playing this week, Rex, and making his 2021 debut is Roy McIlroy. We already uh, mentioned him in this podcast. He's starting in Abu Dhabi. He tees off Wednesday night alongside Justin Thomas, who of course has been in the news recently and uh, European number one for 2020 Lee Westwood, a guy you've been dogging for years on this podcast and don't want to oh, see on the Ryder cup uh, later this year at whistling Straits. Roy talked today and oh, that's he, he, he said, he said all the right things. Uh, he's not trying to reinvent the wheel, even though he hasn't won now in 15 months since that WGC event in Shanghai. And Rex, it's interesting because Roy has historically been a really strong starter. 11 career top five finishes in his opening event of the year, but he has never won. It's one of those statistical oddities with Roy McIlroy. Big picture when you look at Roy as he, as he gets started on this 2021 campaign, uh, what are your expectations? What do you think would constitute a successful year for him? Those are uh, some convenient statistics that you just threw out there as far as the victory goes all the way back to November of 2019, which is true. It's in the WGC in China. However, if you look at his next five starts, he was fourth in DP World Tour Championship, the European Tour Finale, third at Torrey Pines, fifth in LA, fifth. He's playing the best of anyone for shutdown. Exactly. Before the shutdown, like I, by, he was the number one player in the world and for all the right reasons. And, and we just knew that going into the masters and the major championship season, he was going to be the guy to watch. So it, we can conveniently say it's been a year and a half or whatever it's been since his last victory. However, he's played golf in, in the amount of time that we should be able to remember without the pandemic clouding everything that we do now, for whatever reason, he wasn't his best post pandemic, I think, or post quarantine. I think a lot of guys, can say the same thing. I will be curious. This will be a good litmus test, and that's that's a cool stat. I, I I'm curious why he would. I'd love to hear his explanation for why he's such a slow starter, or that the finding a victory early in the season is so difficult for him. But it, it will be curious to see where what game he shows up with, because clearly he wasn't happy with the way he played post quarantine last year. But new family guy, he's got a kid at home now. He admits he, he, he's distracted for all the right reasons. Did he go home and do all the things that he's done in the past? And is he going to show up and, and go on one of those early season runs? I'm very curious about that. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how he, how he plays as, as well, Rex. And, and we've, we've long said that kind of the, the driver, uh, Rory's entire game is predicated on how he hits the driver. To hear Rory talk uh, both, both today and, and previously at the Masters a couple of months ago, he thinks it all starts with his iron play and his iron play was what really fell off in 2020 when it's, it's historically been one of the strongest parts of his game. He even talked about the strange stat today that his proximity from the rough 
was was awful uh, over the past year and a half. He was, I just looked it up for a blog I just did. He was 23rd on tour in rough proximity in 2019. Uh, the past year and a half, he was 153rd, and he's currently 250th. Now, part of that, he said, was probably attributed to changing irons in the middle of the year, and the rest of that is something that he needs to try and figure out uh, with his swing. And, and so I think, you know, he's, he's going to give himself opportunities off the tee. I think that's a given. He's top five on tour every single year, strokes gained uh, off the tee. He's, I think he's made some pretty good strides uh, putting. I think his, his wedge play could always use improvement. But the, the biggest leap that he can make, once again, is with his iron play. And, and I'm curious to see that part in particular, because I think that's, that's an area of focus that, that Roy's had with Michael Bannon over the past couple of months. And I'm curious to see, because he's going to be playing a lot. He's going to be playing seven of the next eight weeks. Um, mm. If he can, if he can get that game in gear and, and, and pick up a, a victory for the first time since Shanghai. Seven of the next eight weeks at events where he's had a lot of success. It's worth pointing out. Now I'll throw this one at you. What does your gut tell you? Who, who do you have more confidence in going into 2021? Because you wrote Rory this morning, you listened to what he had to say. I wrote Brooks Kepka yesterday here from the American Express and listened to what he had to say. I would actually lean in that situation only because this goes back to our Tiger Woods conversation that always comes with an asterisk. I can do special things if I'm healthy. Listening to Brooks yesterday, that he's 100%, that the tear in his knee has completely healed, and, and whatever the blood treatments he was having in, in San Diego have, have paid off. He's had a chance to work with his swing coach, Claude Harmon. He's excited about coming in this season. There is still that confidence that, honestly, I don't know that I've legitimately seen from Brooks in the last, let's say, six months, simply because he hasn't been healthy. So my answer to that question would be Brooks. I'm curious what yours would be. I, I think Roy, just because the, the completeness of his game is a little bit better and, and it's been a knock on on Brooks these past couple of years how he he seemingly only cares about the majors and he did nothing to dispel that notion yesterday because he was at yep. he he was asked and and he said that that the American Express is basically a warm-up for Torrey Pines which is essentially a warm-up for the U.S. Open uh it, it didn't sound like he 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 necessarily cared whether he he won or finished 30th uh it was all kind of trending towards the major championships and when he asked what would a successful win be? He said a couple wins and a couple of major championships. I think Roy's going to play more. I think he's healthier with his body. I think his game uh, throughout the bag is a little bit better than Brooks's. So, so to answer your question, uh, I think I think Rory will have the better 2021. However, it wouldn't surprise me at all, uh, assuming that Brooks's knee and hip do not cause him any further issues in 2021 as they did last year. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Brooks does pick off another major this year. Uh, Brooks also took the occasion to take a shot at, uh, at our boy, everybody's boy, Kevin Kisner, who had the line of the week last week when they asked him about, could you win? And the example I believe he was given was Torrey Pines. And the answer was quick no. And then why do you play? And his response was patented Kevin Kisner because they pay really, really well for 20th place finishes. Yesterday, as Brooks was walking away from the Golf Central reporter, George Savarikas, he said something about, yeah, I'm, I'm here to win. And as he was walking away and he goes, I have no interest in a tie for 20th. A subtle shot, which was delivered with a smile, it should be said, let's put it in full context, but a very subtle shot from Brooks, which leads me to believe that he's in a good spot. And he said, though I, though I hear 20th pays pretty well. Yes, yes, that was a line. Though I hear 20th plays well. He, he's very good at, at the subtle, backhanded, sort of slap down neg shot. Yeah, that's why Brooks is so popular with his with his peers on the PJ Tour, I presume. 
All right, my guy here today in the desert is going to be Phil Mickelson. He's the host of, of this event. He is uh, he's a lot of things. He's a 50-year-old. He's a, he's a part-time PGA Tour Champions player. He's a guy that's going to captain a lot of American teams, both in the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup. I, I'm going to sit down today, and I'm going to try to figure out what's next for Phil Mickelson because this is always a fun game. And I, but I honestly, off the top of my head, just don't know because I don't know – if he's, it was funny. It was a year ago here that I asked him because he was going to turn 50 in June and everyone was talking about him playing the PGA Tour Champions and, and if he had any interest. And he completely dismissed me that, nope, I'm hitting bombs. I want to focus on the PGA Tour. Now, granted, that changed in large part because of what happened with the pandemic and quarantine and the schedules. However, the two over 50 events he played last year, he won. And I'm just curious. That's if, because if you voted and, and you and you promptly voted him as as senior player of the year. I did. And, and we're still waiting for, uh, for the reaction to that. I think I'm going to win that. I'm very confident, but I'm curious to see, I'm going to ask the exact same question today. What do you think his response is good? Is it going to be the exact same response? Is he just going to regurgitate what he told me last year and Nope, just going to keep hitting bombs. I, he's going to be selling something. I think that's obvious. Cause that's what Phil does in this very first uh, event of the year. He's, he's the uh, world's best marketer. Um, I, I, I said it on this podcast late last year, and I still firmly believe it. I think his days of really contending on the PGA Tour are probably over. I, I think if you look at what he did last year and what he's done historically, if he is going to make any hay at all on the PGA Tour, it's going to be during this West Coast swing. It's, it's, it's third what a he did last year. year. So he's less than a year he's, removed he's from a top five pin. I understand that, and he tends to always play uh, Memphis well. But there's, there's work to do for him to even get into the U.S. Open, let alone the WGC events, which are going to be, uh, of course, at Memphis. Again, he's 67th in the world. He needs to be inside the top 60 in order to qualify uh, for the U.S. Open. Otherwise, he's going to have to go to sectional qualifying and or rely on a special exemption that he did not want to ask for last year from the USJ. So he, he does need to play well, and he needs to make his hay on the West Coast swing because he traditionally has not done it in Florida. I still think Rex, and I don't think he's going to say this, obviously, but I still think Phil should go all in and become that senior senior player of the year that you, that you voted him to be. I really think that that is the route that he should go at this age. He hasn't been number one in anything against the PJ tour players. He's never been player of the year. He's never been FedEx cup champion. He's never been world number one. He's never won a scoring title. This is his opportunity to absolutely dominate and go down as the best senior player of all time. He's still very healthy. He's still hitting it 25 yards past. He's, he's hitting it 25 yards past the geezers that he's going to play against on the PJ tour champions. Go for it. Go, go, go for it, Phil. Um, I would agree with that. I think I've had, we've had this conversation on this podcast in the, in the past and where he could do the most good, in my opinion, is also on the PGA tour champions. Cause that would bring so much attention to that tour. That being said, I know what his answer to my question is going to be today. I'm going to try, I'm going to throw it out there, but his interest is not on that circuit. His interest is on this tour and specifically his interest is on the masters, the other major championships to, to a lesser degree, the U S open, because let's face it, that window has closed, but that's the one that eludes him. And the Ryder Cup. I mean, he is not going to. He's allow not going to be on the Ryder Cup team. Stop it. Uh, I would agree with you to a certain degree 
only in as much as if he can put anything together. And obviously, he's, I don't believe he's ever going to qualify for that U.S. team. It's going to be difficult for anyone to qualify just with the way the criteria is this year. That being said, I think if he can show any flashes of com- competitiveness, that Steve Stricker will be a company guy, and he will pick Phil Mickelson, and he'll pick Tiger oh. Wood. No, no, oh, he will not. Really, because Steve Stricker strikes you as the guy that's going to just go out on the edges and, and be the rebel and decide that, nope, I'm going to do this different, and I'm going to pick all the Loudoners young kids because that's what they want me to do. He want he also wants to win. Does he want to go down as the rare American captain who lost on home soil? No, he wants to field the very the rare best. Rare American 12... captain who lost on home soil. <laughs> I mean, you know, Davis Love in 2012. And then Davis Love again. Uh, Hal, Sutton, Hal Sutton before that. Uh, look, he, he, going he, it. The, the Americans are 20, 25 deep, and I, I wouldn't even put Phil among the best 20 Americans. I really wouldn't. You could easily go down that list and not put him among the top 20 Americans. I, I actually wrote yesterday when I was writing the Tiger Woods news story that where he is right now, and, and, and I didn't bring this up, but it's worth pointing out, that Tiger Woods is right now 44th in the world. He's probably not even going to qualify for the WGC, which the, the former – what was supposed to be played in Mexico that's going to be played in Bradenton, Florida now. And so that's, that's, that leads him into a very, very bad direction when it comes to the Ryder Cup. I, I think he's going to end up being a vice captain. I believe Phil is going to be a vice captain. That being said, Which I think is terrific. That's the role that yes. he should be in. No, I agree. That being said, that if they show any, either one of them show any signs of life that Tiger, not Tiger more than Phil, I think, I think Phil's time's passed, but as, as we all know, there's a certain kinship between, Strix and Tiger that is just uh, you can cannot be ignored well that kinship is there with Phil as well I mean don't don't fool yourself these are all guys of the same generation they're, they're they all came up together so don't again I'm not going to be surprised I'm not saying it's going to no happen. chance no chance Phil's no chance team. zero all right. all right I'm gonna let you get out of here on this you bought a new grill please don't do the the, 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 the drop the name of the name of the grill because we don't need that problem right now with our advertising you mean the, ga- you mean the gateway you mean the gateway there, drum smoker there it is, there it is. The, the cheap plug that you actually bought but well, sure we can plug it yeah i bought uh, i bought with my own money i wasn't sure how i was going to stumble into that money i don't want to talk about how uh i stumbled into how many that your kids cash. toys did you sell uh four um <laughs> but but i i do have it in my possession uh i did it i did it seasoning over the weekend, of course, you have to season it because of all the, the chemicals that they use on a new grill. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to firing up this weekend, right? So you obviously have the uh, conference championships uh, that'll be played on Sunday afternoon. Of course, we have the American Express. I can't wait to watch that starting Thursday, as well as the LPGA, PGA Tour Champions, European Tour all in action. Uh, I, think I'll, I think I'll throw it on a slab of ribs uh, tomorrow just to, just to kind of work it in uh, as, I, as I take any coverage from, from Palm Springs. All right, and and the rubs for that's going to be just to finish out this corner of a lavender menu, so we can be done. Uh, I with think it. I'll probably use Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, uh, the barbecue rub, uh, not too strong, should give it a good mahogany color, um, and then we'll 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 wrap it with some some brown sugar, some butter, uh, but you know when you're cooking on the Gateway drum smoker, uh, shout out to to Gateway, um, you know it's it's you're 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 burning and turning you're you're cooking hot and fast you're cooking at about 300 as opposed to to low and slow on and as opposed to on on some of the other smokers uh, that we've talked about on this podcast but so you're cooking a little bit higher it's going to take about two two and a half hours uh, as opposed to about five hours i'm sorry i asked that'll do it for this golf center podcast presented by callaway golf we'll come to you next week where i will be in sunny san diego where ryan 
it never rains. See ya. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.